Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher, and we could not be more excited about today's episode. We got one of the best jiu-jitsu athletes alive today, come on the show, talk about all sorts of crazy stuff, and we're just so excited because it's awesome. It's crazy these people waste their time with us. But before we get into uh, it's incredible. Before we get into it, we got to send it up to sponsors of the show, your friends and ours, No Judges Needed. Your one-stop shop for all of your grappling gear needs. I'm talking rash guards, fight shorts, uh, geese modeled by a very familiar bearded face. You know, you might recognize him if you squint. Uh, and for everybody looking to show the outside world how hard you go at it on the mats, we got a ton of casual gear for you, super cool designs. And know that when you're buying from this brand, you're supporting a jujitsu owned and operated business. They're for the community, by the community. And we want to help you upgrade your gear by incentivizing you with a promo code. Use the code JJT at checkout to knock off 20% off all purchases. It's such a crazy deal. It's so stupid. Go take advantage of it before they wise up and stop it. And again, thank you to No Judges Needed. You guys are phenomenal. Help them keep the lights on. We won't let you down. All right. Back crack over. And apologies if you hear my dogs. Uh, They're very rambunctious when I'm not directly they're, near they're them doing, at all doing work on my house. I might have to just, I might have to like open everything. the door and just let them congregate <laughs> inside. Uh, <laughs> Today, we are pleased to welcome yet another superstar athlete to the show, as well as someone doing so much to get jiu-jitsu into the hands of the people who need it the most. Uh, so join us in giving a huge g'day to multiple-time world no-gi champion and Australia's first BJJ black belt, Sophia McDermott. Sophia, welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. How can you real quick? Could you rate my good day? I, I need to know if I'm up to snuff. Uh, is a six out of ten. Wow. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, these get degrees sometimes, so I'm probably, feeling... probably better than I would have given you, Kev. I would, oh, I would, I would, oh hey. okay. Hey, you're but out you of make country. up for it with the ad read. You are the you, you're, you got a future in that kid. That's yes. impressive. It's just wow. I'm just, I like to watch you work sometimes. Well, it's it's not as sticky either that, that Aussie accent or some Aussie words. I, I have to say, if you need me to shill for any uh, business ventures you have in the future, uh, just give me a call. You know, always, fully, hustling. always hustling. Always hustling. <laughs> <laughs> How, uh, when was the last time you were in Australia? Are, are you are you there right now? I know you, you moved here a while ago. When, when's the yes. last time you visited home? No, it's interesting actually. There's a vast amount of people who think I actually live in Australia. But I guess why would they not think that? Uh, so because um, before COVID hit, I would be traveling and doing tours left, right and center and seminars. Um, and then it's like, wait, like how every two to three weeks could I be on the east coast or the west coast of the United States? <laughs> Back from Australia, you know right. But anyway. Uh, For those of you who don't know, it's a, what, 15 hours to Australia or something along? Something along yeah, like, longer than that, really. It's like one of the longest yeah. flights in uh but just quickly uh, uh, i was traveling um i'll just share this story i know i'm deviating you're good no worries. I'm, I'm waiting for for my flight um and then i did something that didn't make the flight attendants happy because i am a rule breaker and just whatever um and then so i'm there speaking with my australian accent and the air hostess or whatever goes oh is this your first flight have you not flown before and i'm like um no, I haven't actually. I took a boat across to the United States. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> just like, uh, anyway. like, like, just, like a criminal, like a criminal barge from like. <laughs> Boy, right. What is this metal contraption I'm in? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty uh, funny. So, so yeah, no, I was meant to go back over Christmas New Year um, to spend time with my family. I have an identical twin sister. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's sad not to be able to see her. And so Does she train as well? No, she doesn't. We were gymnasts together, though. So she's got the background and the muscles. Um, she just – we went into fashion together, and then um, I kept going with, like, athletics, and she stayed in fashion. So were you, you, were, you were a model previously? You worked in the modeling industry? Um, actually, I did. 
but not yeah. as a model. I yeah. mean, no, wait. <laughs> yes, I, I did it all. So uh, actually growing up, I was a child model, actually. Mm -hmm. My sister and I, we learned how to do the catwalk and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, later on, it was about um, manufacturing and designing. And we right. had our own um, brand where we distributed to Australia and throughout Asia. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm curious about one thing. I, I, I was listening to you and, and, and you talked about being a rule breaker. And there's something in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, about the Australian culture that has to, that has that kind of rebellious rule breaker uh, instinct inside of them. Is that something that, that is true that you could think of that you, that would say that yes. it's, it's true to that? Uh -oh. Yes. Absolutely. Sorry, it's Kurt. I hope you can hear me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, we're doing that, that was an easy one. Don't worry okay. about it. Um, absolutely, because okay, Australia was uh, built by convicts. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a pretty well-known like global fact is that you guys just were a prison continent. <laughs> just, just like Florida. Yeah, so right. <laughs> exactly. Just Florida. Like Florida was built by convicts. It's kind of very similar states. <laughs> very similar states and similar amount of large animals that could kill you. You know, that's. Right. When we, right. when we get more into the discussion yeah. of, of Sophia McDermott as the person that she is, the renegade that she is, the Australian background kind of makes a little more, uh, it gives a little more context, I think. So yes, I think Australian culture, in a way, is a little bit more uh, rebellious and free. Although things are changing there, um, um, and I though am a, a step way beyond that, like way right. beyond. Yeah, I've just my entire life just always out marched to the beat of my own drum. Always. <laughs> Do you think when when taking a macro view of your your life and career, do you think that added that that attitude, that spirit, that renegade ness has helped you more than it's hurt you, or is it like an even split? There is no other choice for me. It is I'm painful for me to conform. <laughs> I, I can i can agree with you in that regard it's it's one of the hardest things in my life i just i've just i've never been that person i've never been yeah. the guy that can walk to the to the to the beat of the drummers i, I just can't do that I, I i've always done my own things and i've made my own ways and it's almost like it's almost like if i'm short if i'm faced with a choice between the normal way to do things and my own way to do things. I will fight normal just because even if it's the right way, I don't care. I want to do my own. Right. Thing. It's, it's just about questioning authority and a lot of people don't, and, right. but I've always done it ever since I was young. Yes. Why? Give me the reason. Why should I not do this? <laughs> Why should I do this? You know, did you find yourself quite like you've been an athlete for so long? Did you find yourself questioning a lot in your early days as a gymnast or was it more like you started to question once you felt like you learned a lot? Yeah. Um, actually it was interesting because I started gymnastics, but later than I should have to make it into the elite stream where it takes you straight to the Olympics, right? They have cutoffs with ages. And so, my sister and I, we missed that and we trained really seriously, um, like on the next level, if that makes sense. Um, but there was no possibility of doing Olympics or anything, right, because we were too old. And so back then, even then, there was a lot of the questions of why are you training so much? Why are you training every day? Why are you doing this when you know you can never go to the Olympics? And so that was part of it. It's like, hang on, I'm doing it because I love it. It's my journey and it makes me happy. And so that's what um, started me questioning things based on what was thrown my way because I realised that so many people were pushing their own agendas onto me. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. So would you would you consider gymnastics, as I, I know the answer to this already, but would you consider gymnastics to be one of the – the, the motivating factors that one of the things that kept you strong for your jujitsu journey, the idea that you have pushed yourself to your limits in the pursuit of gymnastics career. Yeah, absolutely. That was a grounding that allowed me to, to survive the early days of jujitsu. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I asked that in this context because um, 
you know, I always think about the idea of female sports versus male sports. And, you know, a lot of times female sports don't get the recognition as being as difficult as they truly are because they tend to revolve around more feminine aspects like gymnastics or dance and ballet and things like that. So they don't, the athletes of ballet and the athletes of gymnastics don't get the nod as working hard and sacrificing their body, life and limb. Synchronized swimming. Exactly. To be able to succeed. And the reality of it is, is I've known plenty of dancers, ballet dancers. I've known plenty of gymnastics or gymnasts. And it is not easy. Like they suffer with injuries. They suffer through things. They suffer through the toils of every other athlete in general. What do you, what do you think about some of those things, about those double, double views and the idea that women don't get the recognition as being tough athletes just simply because they're doing a feminine sport? Right. I actually don't think it's about just doing a feminine sport, though. So you'll get the females who do the other sports like track and athletics and whatever. Um, I think it's just this indoctrination in general that uh, athletics and sports comes along with power, which is very masculine-based. Does that make sense? Yes. And so even if we bring it back to jiu-jitsu, Things have changed, but I remember in my earlier days, it was always sort of the bigger guys, like the middleweights and ups that would get would get all the recognition and everyone watching their fights. But what about the, the pluma and the featherweight dudes? They didn't get the same recognition, right? right? So I actually, there's the gender thing for sure, but I think there's this sort of honed-in idea that it's just about big man power, ferocious, let me just explode through everything. <laughs> Uh, and, and so, kill, <laughs> destroy, crush. <laughs> um, and so that is changing. The whole idea of athleticism is changing, and it's got the idea of a bit more finesse to it now. So, um, lighter weight males are getting recognition, as are women, as are um, women in sports in general, and then the more feminine ones. I actually think that gymnastics does get the recognition. I mean, I don't think any guy can look at a girl doing a, a round of flip layout with double back with a triple twist and go, oh, yeah, that's easy. I can do that. Right. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. Give me a but palm this horse. Just I'll do it right now. Like, so say it again. I'm like, give me a palm horse. I'll, like, I'll tear yeah. that thing up right now. <laughs> we won't even run the interview anymore. I just want to see you do it. Sophia, sorry. We're going to put this on pause. <laughs> We're going to let Kev do a double back somersault off the palm horse. We'll get back yes, to that. Yes, no worries. All right. I like, hey, I'm, this is how fast I'm going to do it. I just did it. Did you see it? I just did it. That was so good. I'm so quick. That was so good. We need to do it again. Yeah, I know. Like, I'll slow it down a little bit. Did you see it? So, piggybacking off of that, um, just I'm just playing devil advocate with you because I want to hear your point of view. I want to hear what you've got. I have have my own preconceived notions. But, you know, when you're talking about particularly combat combat athletics, you know, it's a different sport when you're talking about – sports that are known to be technical like the idea of gymnastics is known to be a technical sport so the idea of size doesn't have an equation on on any of the factors right when you're going up the hierarchy of who the best gymnast is right yeah when you're dealing with a combat athlete athletic situation it's the same reason why the heavyweight boxing champion in the world is always considered to be the baddest man on the planet. So based upon that assumption, everyone always cared about the heavyweight division. I'm not talking about boxing fans. I'm talking about the uneducated general public because there's the feeling, there's the feeling amongst, you know, layman's that why do we give a shit about this lightweight fight? I don't really care about the technical aspects of a, of a lightweight fight because the heavyweight is the greatest fighter in the planet. He could beat any of them. So why do I even care about that? I don't want to see the, the apex predators at their best. That's it. And you've just said it, the apex predators at their best. Right. So that's the idea that people have about sports. Right. They did until things are changing a bit. So there now is a change of having that technical aspect in. So regardless of gender, you know, you'll get that the man who's 120 pounds as technical as ever you can weave and duck and dart and everything right and then you get the big heavyweight the heavyweight most likely in most cases 99 percent of cases is going to win right but really like are we focusing on the sport itself 
that's the question. And like you said, with the layman's view, they're not, they've got no idea about the intricacies of these sports, which is why they always will go for the heavyweight because uh, they're uneducated. Right. Yeah, I think when I think about that scenario, I think about Demetrius Johnson. It's always the one that pops in my head. Like Demetrius Johnson, in my opinion, is probably probably one of the most skilled uh, MMA fighters, pure MMA fighters in all aspects of MMA to ever step inside of a cage. And there's a vast majority of the public that don't even know his damn name, that don't even know he's alive. He's fighting in, in an obscure, you know, maybe not obscure to the world, but obscure to the general public. Asia knows who he is. Yeah, Asia knows who he is, but the United States doesn't have a clue anymore. Right. So, so I guess I've, I've geared this, this your questions that way because – We've, you opened it up with gender, but it's not actually just gender. It's just that women, all women, have to fall into that other category. Do you see what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. So so then there needs and there is actually starting to be a change in the idea of what an athlete is. I, I agree with that you a lot, and I think that's an interesting place to take that to because mm -hmm. the reality of it is, is as we're starting to see – the rise of female athletics and the, you know, fighting is always going to be handicapped. There's always going to be, you're always going to have people the same weight. You always have people the same size, same skill level relatively to be yeah. able to fight one another to just to keep it fair, to keep the levels at the same side. But yeah. when, so size matters. Yeah, you know, it really does. No, no it, it really makes a difference. Yeah, you it, you it, have the most technical, smaller person, right? But if they're just overpowered by someone that's literally double their weight, I mean, like for me, for example, I have super technical legs and like this gumby guard. I can put my legs behind my head and do the splits and come around, and it's like whoa. Like, but there's actually nothing stopping the the big guy that I'm rolling with from literally picking me up right. off the ground. Right. Do you see what I mean? What can I do with that? Of course. Anyway, no matter answer. how technical I am, there's always that point. If by how much they might be bigger and stronger than me. So and especially if they start to learn even a small amount of technical prowess, then it gets then it becomes even exponentially more and more difficult to deal with guys on that level or people on that level when they're that much bigger. And jujitsu, yes, jujitsu is the ultimate equalizer. We always say that, but the reality of it is is like, you know, if a guy weighs three hundred and thirty freaking pounds, three hundred and fifty pounds, like what the hell am I gonna do with him? <laughs> and hopefully I get on his back and put my hooks in. If not, he's gonna kill me. But I, I also want to I, – I think it's important to realize that even people with size, if they're not trained, they they might be at a disadvantage in the world, you know, like learning to effectively use whatever you have, like whatever physical advantages or quirks you have, utilizing them effectively. Jiu-jitsu can help you do that. You know, combat absolutely. sports in general can help you do that. Well, absolutely. Um, and some of the really big guys too, they're slower. And so like if I'm ever with them, my objective is like – Okay, I'm forced to be playing guard. Not like I can take him down, but I'm going to arm drag and try to get his back as fast as possible because I know I'm faster than him. So there are ways around it and strategies, but it's a much, much harder battle for sure. That's, that's, a, that's a really great question I wanted to ask you about. And I like to ask that of a, a ton of people that we have on that have experienced both like high level competition as well as like intense coaching. Like you've been an athlete and you've also coached athletes. What was that? What was learning that skill like in, in bringing the best out of other people? Like how, how did that come for you? Learning to coach? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Actually. Um, mm, I was born to be a teacher and I think that um, like people have that gift or they don't. Do you know what I mean? It's like some people have the gift of healing. They can be doctors and study all this stuff, but can they actually sort of heal people and make them feel good, right? Yeah. So there's a, actually a fundamental difference between being a, uh, a teacher and a coach. A coach understands their students and knows how to actually, like, deliver words in a way that, um, that the student can really absorb and understand, get the most out of them. Um, so my my journey was interesting being this rogue female and not really having much support, but at the same time I didn't want it in a way because I didn't want to conform. It's just this whatever. But I was on my own a lot. Um, and so what I kind of needed, like I knew for my coaching, is that I need, needed encouragement and gentle guidance, which is I, what I've realised is what most women need. Men can have a lot more 
diversity in their coaching. They can have that gentle guidance and encouragement, but they also get really fired up by kind of like, oh, you can't do that. That sucks. And then the men like, oh, wait, no, I'm going to do it again. Just watch me. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so it's learning those um, intricacies of communication and what, how to deliver information to get the best out of the students. Um, and so I, I've been teaching for a long time and I've probably taught more seminars than most of the men in jiu-jitsu over the years. Um, and so the whole thing has fascinated me about the differences in teaching men and women, uh, what they need to thrive, but then also on a yeah, uh, I'm a bit of an unorthodox teacher though. So um, where I'm really, I'm on a journey of is getting students to understand overall concepts but also teaching them techniques so they can apply into the concepts. And I don't think that there is enough conceptual teaching in jiu-jitsu. So to, to, to piggyback off that a little bit, I, I, I want to ask, so I myself, like you, truly believe that I'm born to be a teacher. And I, I, I really believe that I have a unique ability. I worked as a bartender for 20 plus years. So I really understand how to, to motivate people and speak to people's needs in that regard. Cause I had to do it for so freaking long and relate to them. Yeah. And relate to them and yeah. em empathy is a, is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I find that makes me, as good of coach as I am is the fact that I am not trying to just disseminate information in a flat manner because different people have different needs and different people learn in different yeah. ways. Yeah. Can you tell me, so, and tell me if I'm wrong or right, like, can you tell me, are there specific different needs that females require for motivation as opposed to males? Or is it more just not a female male issue and more of a just independently psychological from person to person? Uh, There's always variations, but generally speaking, and great question, great question. Women do need something different. And that's what I specialize in. Um, that's why I'm on a mission to teach and just get out there and be uh, exposed to so many women as possible, whether it's via my Girls on Top live interactive program or my lifestyle camps or my seminars. Um, and so uh, women inherently need more uh, positive reinforcement and encouragement. Mm -hmm. right. um, Jiu-jitsu is a sport that is very raw and brings up a lot of stuff for both people, I think. You can't get any more raw than having someone squash the crap out of you where you can't breathe and then putting on some paper cutter choke. And you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's raw and it brings stuff up to the surface. Now, as a woman and a man's doing it to you, it's going to bring up more stuff because women inherently, they need to, if they're going to accept a man in close proximity with them, and it's a basic biological survival mechanism, they need to know that they can trust that guy to a degree. And if they don't, then it brings up a whole lot of other stuff, which makes it even more raw for women. And unfortunately, the vast amount of women who I have taught in my clinics, more of my detailed self-defence clinics and my camps, they've all been subject to um, abuse, vi violated, basically. So it brings up even more stuff. Like there's plenty of women in more of my self-defence courses where I have to ask permission to touch them i have to ask um like if and encourage and build awareness for their training partners to actually like is it okay that i can touch you around here and and you know the the slicing and the cutting on the wrists and the i've seen a lot right I've seen a lot which is why i have such a mission and i know i'm deviating a little bit but what i'm giving you guys is a background of what comes my way right and just like your your uncle coach kevin right i'm kind of auntie sophia my messenger is flooded with things about like help me because um i need guidance with my diet i'm getting a divorce uh this guy's doing this to me well i'm like oh my god okay but <laughs> no it's 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 wonderful and i'm so happy to be in that place where i can provide that guidance but it can be overwhelming as well but the disappointing thing is it's happening so much so I, to put a long story short, women need they need they need the confidence, they need the encouragement, they need that positive positivity. They know they need to feel safe. 
to be coached correctly and to open up and then be able to receive information so that they can apply it. So I have a, I have a, I have an interesting question along those lines too, and I'm going to try to say this without sounding like a prick, but I'll see what I can see if I can get it off right. Um, so one of the things that I have an issue with as a coach, and this is something it's just as I am, I'm 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 a very understanding, caring person, but I'm also very, very like you you don't get. You don't get participation trophies from me. I don't mean that in that sense of the way it sounds, but I'm not the type of person to hand out gold stars freely because the idea of jujitsu is to not need those gold stars, is to realize that I am going to proceed through the traumas and the problems and the situations that we are running through jujitsu, right? Without having to need the necessity to say, oh, good job, everything's great. You know, there's that you need to break that. You need to break that bind. Yeah. Um, one of the problems I fall into off of that is, you know, you say that females need the the positive reinforcement. What happens when you notice that that positive reinforcement is not helping, but is hindering the progress? If if you can if if you can make sense of that question. There's always a very fine line. Right. It's a delicate balance. Right. Um, but I think overall to coach women and to keep women in the gym, what needs to happen from the male leaders, just like you, is it needs to be um, awareness and empathy. It really does. Um, there's a lot of women who go through situations and then the coach is like, everyone's equal, you've got to tough it out. But the coach doesn't actually understand what they're going through. So, like, things ha things come my way all the time. For example, like, the boyfriend and the girlfriend are training in the gym at the same time. The boyfriend gets abusive and starts beating her up. And then they break up and then um, they're both having to train at the same gym together but she's feeling abused and violated and it's all just, like, it's just, oh, my God. It's So what does she need? She needs the encouragement. She needs the support. It's... <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I, I, you know, and, and it's funny because mm -hmm. I, I didn't mean that question even some, I know it kind of went towards a, a sexist, uh, you know, difference between the sexist type conversation, but I mean it yeah. in general, like, cause I have plenty of, I have plenty of, of males that I train with that are the same thing that are constantly looking for, uh, Hey coach, look at this. Did I do this? I do this. And it's in the day. It's like, yeah, you did, but no, let's, let's, right. let's another day, brother. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what I think you're getting at is, um, the difference between, um, encouragement and support and creating a safe space right right and then and then you, you being like an emotional crutch for them yeah placating someone there we go and, and that's, or, that's or, what we're trying to get at right okay the better word would be enabling difference. someone to continue with their 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 yeah. process there's a fundamental difference and i find that i've had to set barriers barriers and boundaries for myself because i can become an emotional crutch for a lot of people and it's draining on me and so, I, yeah, as a head professor, that's it's a very, very delicate balance. So what men need to know, and this is why I encourage that women need that safe space or safe platform, encouraging, supportive platform, is because those type of episodes, they run deep. Like that could affect her for the rest of her life. Right. And it runs deep because she knows deep down inherently that she can't actually she might not actually have the tools to legitimately save her life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas something like that might happen to you guys, your whole outlook will be different because you're biologically wired to fight and with the, with the tools to deal with it. And so that's why I'm on a mission to create an environment for as many women to participate and join, join and participate. Um, so that they do have the skill set if that ever happens. And that in, its, in itself, knowing they have a skill set, that changes everything in their life. So they walk around with their held, held, head held high and confidence. And then if they're doing that, then they're not going to take the crap from their boyfriends and they're not going to take the crap from their male boss who's making them do more work and then the guy counterpart who's doing less work and gets paid more. 
to so much, it joins into so much stuff where basically this whole thing about not having that physical empowerment suppresses the emotional and mental empowerment so that women aren't speaking up in their other domains of how they're living their lives. I, I think that that strikes a really true chord with a lot of people. And I think in a similar way to when I asked it, like, how did you become a really good coach? Was there a moment or an inciting incident where you realized that you were a part of this community and you needed to become a leader of change in a way in order to champion these causes? Was there something that, that made you take that leap or was it just an organic thing? Like, I got to do this. It was both. Okay. So I started jiu-jitsu, fell in love with it. I was searching for something and I found it. Jiu-jitsu was it. And I knew that um, this was the vehicle for me to do what I was born to do, and that is to empower females. I've always known my mission since I was like eight years old. Um, and so I, I wanted, I had this drive to be the best that I could be, and I moved my way up, made a declaration that I was going to be uh, first Australian female black belt, I want to be world champ, pan am champ and all that stuff, right? People thought I was crazy and going back to our initial conversation, whereas like going against the grain, everyone ridiculed me, but I didn't care. So we can talk about that in a bit more detail later. But um, I focused on competition, but then realised moving on that that's not what I was necessarily good at or made for but I needed to get to a certain level in the sport to have recognition I needed to actually go teach. Does that make sense? Yes. So I remember my last year of competing, 2014, I'm like, okay, uh, got two little babies. I'm still breastfeeding, like full on, but I'm going to do it. Um, and, yeah, I just I did all the big tournaments and did really well. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Cool, I'm done. And so I um, – but during the whole process, like, stuff started coming my way to teach. So I, in a sense, achieved what I wanted to achieve because it was organic at that next point, Kevin, to answer your question, that all the requests for me to teach were flooding in. And initially it was for female only, but then people were seeing the way I was teaching and the way I break things down and teach in a really conceptual way. And so the men started wanting to join more and more. And so then everywhere I went, I'd have a women's seminar and then a co-ed seminar everywhere. Like for years that happened. The men wanted to see what was going on, <laughs> Why, what was so good about Sophia's teaching or so different or what a woman might have to say, which is really great. It's fantastic that there's so many amazing, progressive, open-minded men who would want to attend. So it's, it's great. Yeah, I, I commend you personally for that because, you know, I so I always think of that as something that every person on the planet could do. Like I have built some form of notoriety in my life and nowhere near your level. And, you know, it's, it's, I have a small sphere of influence. Maybe it gets bigger a little bit here and there, but every, always, hey, everybody in every dive bar in America knows the name Kevin Gallagher. <laughs> do not doubt your sphere of influence, influence my man. <laughs> but, the, the point of it is, is that I believe it's every person's uh, every person's responsibility to use whatever sphere of influence they have they've generated to do some good, and it really doesn't take much at all to do that. It doesn't. You don't. You don't. You, and like yourself, I commend you for dedicating your life to that approach. Right. Uh, but there's anybody can do similar things. Just you, you, you yeah. do a little good. All you got to do is make some simple choices and, and, and lend your Absolutely. There and there to help you know, I, I have a saying, if you can't change the world in a small, even just in a small way, in a positive way, if your time here on earth doesn't create a positive influence, you're a waste of space on this yeah, planet. What are you even here for? Exactly. Yeah, that's it. So you can make a difference in a smaller way, like just changing one person's life, or you can make a difference in a bigger way. Um, you know, I love the limelight and woo, everyone look at me. So uh, I've chosen to do it in a bigger way and I actually plan on doing it in a much, much bigger way. So where I am in my career now really is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but just going back a little bit to being against the grain and being a woman in this sport, I think one of the differences in my mindset um, is that I was always like, well, why can't women do it too? So there's the, first the, the boundary I broke of being the first female black belt, right, in my, from my country. 
where when I made my declaration, the highest ranking female at the time was a blue belt, and I think there were only three male black belts in the country. All right, so that was like outlandish, and oh my gosh, the audacity. Uh, but, and then moving on to compete, right? So, but then the bigger, the bigger thing really was just my, my focus on being this teacher or professor when women weren't doing that, right? And I seriously think that I've taught more seminars than most of the jujitsu men on the planet, let alone the women. This is true. You have a you have a seminar every weekend. I always see you. I always see you totally. somewhere else, right? It's amazing, yeah. and I I need to pinch myself sometimes with the people I meet. Like this is a reality. Where I go, how I'm treated, it's amazing. But what it is 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 that I took this position and I owned it. Like I owned it, and it's like, yep, yeah, this is me. This is it. And because I've owned it, um, it comes my way even more. Does that make sense? And so I get a lot of comments and questions from other female black belts who do get asked to teach things now and then. They're like, oh, well, oh, I'm nervous. Uh, how, do you, how do you handle teaching in front of the guys and when they ask you questions? And I'm just like, just answer, like, directly. Like, you're the teacher, you're the boss. So there's all this, this second nature, second questioning doubt in a lot of these women's heads. Uh, they don't have the confidence to just be out the front owning it. Um, and then they feel really intimidated in front of the other men, thinking that the men won't take them seriously. So that's another thing that I'm trying, another barrier that I'm trying to break. It's like, no, you've done your hard yards. You've trained for a good 10 years. You've been through hell and back being a woman on the mat because there's so many more things that we have to deal with. Get up there and own it. Oh, and while you're at it, charge for your expertise. This is another thing that comes my way and it irritates me. <clears throat> The men will be paid $1,000 or whatever to do, like a clinic, $2,000. The women, well, how much do you want? Oh, I don't know, 100 Like, what? Like, no. You know, so that's the other issue. They're not confident speaking up about, like, getting the, the I don't know, there's a word I need to use there, the money, the finance. Right, whatever. Exactly. They deserve the consideration, right. the compensation. Right. They want to be compensated accurately. And you're yeah. saying that they, that's not happening right now. It's not happening because they're not asking for it. Exactly. Like they're not advocating in the way that they should for what is fair. And it's, but, and it's obvious that there's a market for female uh, as the market. Oh, I'm, I just got a shout out. Of, I got I to gotta get personal for a second. My like third class. I went into a new gym. It was the High Martial Arts Academy in Manahawk. And there was this tiny little, like, blue belt, uh, like, 80-pound girl. And coach, the coach, uh, Chris, set me up with her. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to really kick it into low gears so I don't break this tiny thing. Love this. It was a race, flying triangle. I'm on my ass. I'm dying. And I think I fully went out before she let me go. Uh, her, name's Gabby Etzel. her name is Gabby Etzel. She's a purple belt now. And one day I will be paying $500 for her seminars. And that's what's right. going to happen. Shout out, Gabby. So great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, like, and there's tons of, do you, so do you think it's, where do you think that the origins of that problem lie? I know that's a big, a big question just because it happens in so many different industries, but in jujitsu, do you think there's, there's an origin point for why women feel that way? If we're talking specifically for jiu-jitsu, I think it's about a culture coming from primarily a Brazilian culture, which is very much is mode. The man calls the shots, the man make, goes out, makes the money, the woman stays at home, raises the babies. Okay. But I, I think really this, this problem is something from just society in general I mean, look at the workforce. The man in many places still gets paid more than the woman. And she ne needs to do double the amount of work to get half the amount of pay, half the recognition that the guy does. It's, it's, it's a pervasive issue that's widespread in our society because we are living in a patriarchal world. That's it. So the, it's, and we're so indoctrinated by it because that's all we know. So a lot of people don't question it. So the guys will just do their thing. Cool. The issue I have is that when women get the opportunity, they don't take it. That's my issue. 
And so in some ways I'm kind of like, well, you know what, ladies, in a way we kind of overall deserve to be in this situation because we don't speak up. We don't speak up. So if you want that money, go out and get it. <laughs> Ask for it. Don't be afraid to lean in and say, hey, you know what, I deserve to be paid this much because women aren't doing that. So on a little kind of related note, along those same lines, you talked about the Brazilian culture. I mean, I, I wrote a, an article about the Claudio Duval, um, La De La Hiva, I forget his first freaking first name. What's his first name? Uh, De La Ricardo. Ricardo De La Hiva situation. And we all know the, what happened there. Uh, there was, and, and there was an, in an inappropriate relationship between De La Hiva and Claudia that caused issues leading to Claudia leaving the gym, whereupon uh, De La Hiva systematically banned all women from his academy. It just turned into a whole ugly situation. So I personally don't believe that coaches should have relationship with their students. I just think that that I think that boundary just breaks apart the 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 dynamic of what we're trying to do here to empower women to make them move on to the next level. It just breaks that dynamic apart. There's always a relationship though. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And that's kind of generally the point I'm trying to make here. Like, what do you say to the effect that, you know, first of all, women always seem to be the ones that are blamed, you know, because women, they come to the gym, they're, they're these in these big masculine worlds, and, you know, they seem to be the lamb, and all these men want to, the, the, the masculinity and the testosterone involved, they all, you know, men naturally want to conquer, and, and a, and a be beautiful female is a term of conquering for them. I'm a shark. No one else knows how to swim. <laughs> what do you What do you say to pundits that would say that women have no place in a jujitsu academy because of that? Oh God! Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Mouthful. Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but I, I'm gearing it. I'm gearing it more towards the. That's not my opinion, but I'm gearing it more towards. But there are definitely people out there that in the back of their heads still think that in the yeah. backwards mind because it just causes problems. What do you say to the idea that like, you know, men and women are going to be men and women. They're going to have sex. They're going to hook up. It's not, you can yeah. do it. You know, what, what do we, what so, do we do about those things? So it's, look, it's, it's inherent, but the, the, it's about creating clear boundaries with a coach, not just an instructor. Okay. We're not talking about an instructor that sees like 30 people in each class and they go off the mat. I'm talking about a coach. I'm talking about intimate relationship where there's trust. It's, when that trust is violated, and usually that trust is violated by the male. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And because he's the authority figure, she trusts him, and then that gets abused because then it's the boundaries just get pushed and pushed and pushed over time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, if you ever, if you ever read my article, I'll send it to you. It's actually pretty interesting take on it. It's something mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty cool that I, I did a pretty good breakdown of that. My, my thoughts on it and stuff like that. But yeah, awesome. I'm generally in the same consensus with you. I just, you know, it's, you know, people are going to hook up. It is what it is. It's life, you know, but I don't think that coaches should violate that trust simply because you, this person is, but even if a girl or the female comes to you and is initiating the relationship, I just don't think that you, you should ever even cross that barrier because there's, instead there's, they look at you, they put you on a pedestal, they place you on a pedestal, and, and there's a deceptive nature between your, yeah. your prowess or your you know hierarchy as a coach yeah. and sexual attraction that murkies the world. Absolutely. Look, it's, a, it's an abuse of power, um, and it's played on because, uh, okay, if we look at the basic mating game of humans, I'm so fascinated by the psychology of of sex basically <laughs> it really intrigues me because it trickles down into everything else even to society of, of like jujitsu or the workforce or whatever there's like why is it that the girls only look at the black belts <laughs> do you know what i mean and then why is it that the black belts might be sort of preying you could say on the white belt chicks or the blue belt chicks that are kind of more innocent does that make sense so because there's this thing going on where women strive to have the most alpha male and then we, men strive to spread their seed. It's biological. It's purely biological, it is, right? It 
I, I just wrote I, I'm writing another piece about Logan uh, and his like dissension into the into the world. Right. I mean we can open a massive can of worms here. Humans so, forget they're human sometimes and they're privy to the to the laws of nature. It's just we, we think these big brains. Yes. And in something that's intimate like coach student relationship, a whole bunch of things over time can come up, right? Um but so but there's just there's too much that's come my way of violation of power, okay? And so this is one reason why I'm here going, not nah, winning female leaders because I can provide or other female leaders just like me can provide that safe environment for women to thrive in and learn where there is none of that dynamic of power or any risk of that abuse happening. Does that make sense? Yes. So they they can get their jujitsu done and they don't have to worry about ever anything else. Um, yeah. So the only way that this whole stuff, all this stuff going on, will will be reduced is more females leading and teaching, and more men are uh, understanding that that's a necessity for women um, and to support that. Yeah, it's it's so it's so weird. We have a female uh, head instructor. It's one of our female black belts in our in our network of instructors, uh, Chris Mid yeah. uh, Rodriguez. You might know her. She's anyway. She yeah. uh, she runs a program at her gym, and she I remember her telling me quite a few times that like it's difficult for her sometimes to get the respect of the male students she coaches simply because she's a female because she's no. a smaller female mm-hmm. and where her technical prowess may be far, far superior and they should be paying attention to her technical prowess. You know, she weighs 130 pounds and the reality of her going against some 220 pound ex, you know, ex collegiate football player and being able to put on an arm bar or an umaplata or even take their back is so therefore they don't expect the technique from her. And she always kind of walked that murky line. Yeah. More females out there to teach. You have more females in the room to show the beauty of jujitsu and, and to make it more commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about attitude though. And, and it is happening more and more women are teaching. Um, so the idea of what's normal is changing, but there's still a oh, female instructor like, ah, uh, I want it to get to a point where um, it's just an instructor. You're learning from X, Y, Z today. There is no gender about it. It shouldn't be that way. If that person, male or female, has done their time, they have great knowledge, they're good at teaching, that's it. It doesn't matter. Now, of course, different body types work better with different techniques, right? And so there's a, there's a place for everyone. Like, you know, we're going to play really spidery, leggy guard or say someone's better off with butterfly guard because they're they don't have all that flexibility or do you know what i mean so different body types and but it shouldn't be down to any gender gender difference at all but going back to uh your your colleague or your friend it's attitude just this doesn't happen to me it hasn't happened to me for many many years like just the idea of, uh, I don't know, people just they respect me as a coach. It's amazing. So, And I've been teaching the – It's almost uh, like you're one of the best in the world at what you do. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Aside, aside from that, though, it's it's the it's the respect of the black belt. It's the respect of the fact – It's attitude. attitude. I go in there and I, I don't demand respect because you can't do that. It's just that I have this unwavering confidence mm-hmm. of that I am where I should be and I am damn good at what I do. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone begs to question that, then cool, let's, let's bring it on. That's interesting. And so that I- permeates in the room. It just It's this aura and this vibe. Like I own it and I wish other women would step up and own it without fear, without doubt. I, I think that that is a perfect jumping off point to talk about uh, one of it, your recent, uh, a recent interview you gave with Jujutera Magazine all about uh, your life and some of the initiatives you've got going. And a big part of that was the photo shoot you gave. Uh, you yeah. were – uh, photographed uh, in the bu- in the buff a little bit, draped in the flag of your homeland. Uh, is uh, if if we're cool, can I share to the screen some of the pictures? Sure. Yeah. Okay. This is the one that you. This is the one you sent us. That was like your favorite. 
Um, you weren't as big a fan as, of the the one they put on the cover, but wh- what 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 gave you the confidence to put yourself out there in this regard? Was this like has this always been something that you've wanted to do, or is it something you had to work up to a little bit? Yes, uh, I've all, this is part of my mission. Um, okay. It actually wasn't my idea. It was the writer and editor's idea and it was a fabulous idea and I was so happy to run with it. So when she gave me the idea, I just totally embraced it and obviously you can see by this photo I don't look like I'm very shy. (laughs) Right? It's caused some controversy. Controversy amongst people that don't actually know me or my mission so well. And it's amazing if you look at my Instagram or my other stuff, there's like gee photo technique, gee photo technique, maybe me sort of going out, whatever. Um, but there's very few slutty body shots. And if I am doing any bikini shots, it's me like flexing my six pack more as in like athletic because I the other side of what I do for business is nutrition and diet and all that stuff, right? So everything I do has a reason. But um, basically uh, because I've got to a level where I'm I am in I'm where I'm meant to be, I'm confident, I don't doubt myself as that professor, that coach, that leader, that pioneer. Now I can move to the next step where it's like, hey, and you know what? I'm a woman and I own my sexuality and I'm totally and utterly empowered. And why on earth I need to suppress that part of me in order to be taken seriously? So that's what that photo, or the cover photo, is all about. Yeah, I mean, and again, I I dig this. I really do. And and it's it brings up an interesting question that um, a lot of male-dominated uh, you know jujitsu practitioners, or a lot of even female practitioners that turn their nose up at things like this. Uh, tend to question and it's the idea of should female athletes use their sexuality to promote themselves and does that mean you as a female athlete that you are using one of your god-given attributes which is your your beautiful physique and your beautiful body your beautiful face to be able to promote yourself in a neutral manner um it was there any thought into that concept when you did this promo oh absolutely absolutely can we switch the photo yeah. now oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah, no. <laughs> yeah I'll um, no, absolutely yeah it's not all just random right. the editor was very aware of what my mission part of my mission is um, and so part of being in this patriarchal world that we're in both in jiu-jitsu and in life, is that for women to be taken seriously in a career, whether it's sporting or the workforce, they've had to masculinise themselves. Now, why on earth should they cut off and stop who they are to actually be respected? Why do women have to make that sacrifice? It's ridiculous. When at the end of the day, a woman's sexuality and her beauty gives her so much power so powerful um there needs to be this uh there's a fundamental difference i believe between being outright slutty and being a sexually empowered beautiful woman that is good at what she does there's a fundamental difference and i hope that i don't come off the other way do you think um, do you think that that difference is lost on many people who follow you and are aware of you in the community? I think for the people who follow me and are aware of me, no, I don't think it's lost. I think people who don't know what I do, um, that they haven't really crossed my paths in one way or not, that it could get lost. It could, but that's their problem. I really don't care. Yeah, I, I, don't care. I really applaud you for that because that's something that I've always found distasteful is the people that yeah him you know Alicia, I, can't, I can't think I can't think of their names but you know the, the attractive members of the MMA world or the jiu-jitsu world for yeah. utilizing what their attributes are 
to make them more marketable. Now it doesn't take the, you know, first and foremost, you still have to fight. You still have to be able to put it on the line and go out there and do what you have to do and, 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 and garner, you know, the, the right away to get into, um, to get into the spot that you are, the spotlight that you're in. But, you know, why is it any different from a man that figures out a way to market himself in other ways that aren't related to his fighting, whether it be Conor McGregor talking trash and shamelessly, uh, you know, shamelessly degrading every other fighter in the UFC till he gets his fights or someone like Elias Dordo, who's obviously a good looking dude that figures out a way to market that First ever uh, MMA ring boy. So breaking yeah. barriers in a very different yeah. way. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, of very, very good looking man. Like one of them good looking men you hang out with. Like I go out and I'm like, wow, it's a good looking dude. I know like I did fully <laughs> deviating a little bit. If I was not engaged, you know, I'd be hitting up Mr. Theodoro a lot yeah. more in the DMS on Instagram. So, you know, the point <laughs> of it is, is like, why is it any different for men? That's the double standard. Why are men allowed to utilize their, tools that aren't related to their fighting skills to get recognition going about uh talking about the article and my mission behind it and people's perception of it um right i think what needs to happen is um just like there's been so much repression in society and now an understanding of hey you're female this is part of who you are as being this beautiful woman and you're uh, an athlete, legitimate athlete, you don't need to suppress one with the other. In fact, they can work in tandem as something that's beautiful and uh, lethal or I don't know what's the right word there. Um, and so it just needs to be, like, accepted. That's it. It's part of being female and it shouldn't be repressed. So, for example, 2012, I remember, was the first year at the Olympic Games that they had more female more categories um than men the female there are more events than than male events right that's pretty big but also the viewership had more i'm uh don't quote me on it but i seem to recall that the the women's track and field had more people viewing than the men's track and field now they're getting more viewers because the women are hot they've got these great bodies rippling six packs but they're insanely good athletes so why not why not embrace it all right and then look at the ufc you know oh we're never gonna have women on there look at how much viewership the fights get these fighters are actually respected they are but they're also beautiful women so why can't it be both together I, I agree with you 100%. And yeah. I, I just think that it goes back to the first question I asked you about feminine sports versus masculine sports and how the whole idea of the two is just melded into two separate factions and women and men are just not the same. And the reality of it is, is like, yes, there are many females out there that, you know, I'm a 220-pound man. You know what I mean? I can roll with quite a few females and unless they are elitely talented black belts, like – it's going to be difficult for them to be able to implement any of their. I'm not. I'm excluding you, of course, from this and some of the others. But it's going to be difficult for them to be able to maneuver around the same way. Demetrius Johnson is probably never going to submit. You know, DC. It's just not going to happen. He's too big, too strong, right? But the idea is, is the level of skill and athleticism that female athletes has is undeniable. And at the end of the day, they're still doing the same jujitsu as the boys are. So why can't we have – why do we need to have distinguishing points of view when we think about female athletes in MMA and male athletes in MMA? It should be just the appreciation of the art like it is when we watch the mm-hmm. and And the athletes themselves, like the athleticism in the sport. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And embracing feminine power. There's masculine hey. power and there's feminine well, I love where this conversation is going. I, I got, real quick, I got to say, like, I love where this conversation is going, but all this talk about six-packs and great bodies, it's making me feel really out of shape. Like, okay, I get it, Sophia. I haven't worked out enough lately. I'm going to get on the treadmill. Just, like, stop reminding me, okay? Always judging. She's always judging, Kevin. Gosh, Sophia. We can't all be, like, high-level gymnasts that are ripped, okay? Some of us have bad genetics and are going bald before we're 30, all right? Leave us alone. <laughs> 
Leave wow. us alone, Sophia. That was dark. I know we, you got to get going, but one last thing that we didn't get to touch on earlier that I uh, wanted to cover was we're seeing a, a big push towards uh, equality in jiu-jitsu with events like Submission Hunter Pro doing the first ever all-female card of a major jiu-jitsu tournament. That was great. They had Roxanne Modafari, uh, uh, old friend of the show. We love you, Roxy. Um, in the main event, she's so cool. You know, she's too cool for us, but like, she's she's so cool. Um, the and also fight to win 162. They just recently had their big all female card. Absolute, uh, incredible matches the whole night. Do you think these events and the way they're being received bodes well for the future of equality in the sport, or do, do you still think we have a long way to go? Both. Yeah. So I think that the fact that it's happening is um. Uh, and if people are resisting it, it's an uphill battle for them. Stuff is changing. And so there's going to be more and more of these events happening, and it is just going to be the way it is. So it's it's exciting. There's a lot of really positive changes. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, you know Sophia, I – I don't know, Kev. You got anything else to say? I think I'm freaking good. You got anything else well, to add? I, I know that you're. we're going to give you the floor to plug all the stuff you want to talk Ooh, about, but I just okay. want to say uh, your, your online initiative, Girls on Top, that might be one of the best-named things ever, just for what it is, like well, awesome yeah. marketing. So, do you see my mission? I, I How do. is that any different from me in the wearing the flag with not much underneath? Do you know what I mean? I think – I think Australia, like everybody in Australia, I mean, everyone in Australia is ripped and good looking. So I feel like you're representing yourself and the flag appropriately in there. Um, we would love to give you the floor to talk about all the stuff you got going on and where people can find out more information about all that sorts of stuff. So you go right ahead. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for um, having me and letting me um, share my mission and my journey. Um, yeah, I am on a mission to make some changes and I just absolutely love what I do. And so um, I have uh, a, online, a virtual online platform called Girls on Top. And uh, it's basically um, women from all over the world can join and it's like they're in a virtual class with me and you get to learn technique, uh, women-specific techniques. Uh, it's very interactive and I'm available to problem solve and just be there. So it's not like just getting a whole bunch of YouTube videos. It's it's live and interactive. So, um, and the awesome thing about that is other women can connect with other women during the class time because you see everyone. Um, and so a big thing that uh, comes across with uh, my way with what women deal with is often they're on, the only woman in the gym, uh, or something like that. So it's really a great place for community as well. So, yeah, that's Girls on Top. Um, if you're interested in having a look at that, um, just go to girls-ontop.com um, or hit me up, um, uh, girlsontop2020 at Gmail. Yeah. But the other thing I do is I run lifestyle camps, um, seminars, and um got my nutrition and fitness business going as well um, uh, with sophiafit.com. So, yeah, lots of stuff going on. I also want to say thank you to Fuji Sports who sponsor me. Um, they've believed in me from the beginning. So, yeah. And uh, the Athlete Sports Bag and Defense Soap. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And, it's, uh, funny you say, it's funny you say that just because I'm running low on Defense Soap and I'm just like, dang it, I need to get more. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just a disgusting yeah. being. I hardly ever shower. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sophia, we I don't want to. We don't want to. Sophia, we do not want to keep you. And I, I know I realize this is highly indulgent, but I have one small favor I would love to ask you. Um, I have a little sister named Madison. She's 19. She's. Uh, I've been trying to get her into jujitsu for so long, and it's like. It's like leading a, a, a cat, you know, it's, it just can't work. It, could you help me shame my little sister into starting jujitsu? Cause it's good for her, please. Yeah. Like pretty please. Just, uh, okay. Just say Maddie, please start training. <laughs> Maddie, you got to do this for you. You got to do this for you. Uh, once you learn some skills to kick some butt, you'll feel amazing and it will change your life. Absolutely. Great story. Okay. Well, if that doesn't do it, nothing will, you know, <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I wish every woman on the planet would learn at least six months of self-defense or jiu-jitsu so they've just got their toolkit to just continue on as being empowered and with that extra bit of confidence. Yeah. I, I, you know, on a personal note, Sophia, I, I would just like to take this opportunity to personally thank you as the person that you are and the, your ability to take the sport of jiu-jitsu, which I myself believe is the most transformative art on the planet. Like I, my concepts of competing in jujitsu and all the joys and of the competition mat and getting on, on, uh, on podiums and things like that was cool for a long time. But my goal of jujitsu is to help empower people and to make them better people through the beautiful yeah. art that jujitsu is. And like, I just want to personally thank you for being such a powerful uh, component of that and your, 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 your journey and your goal to help empower females. Cause I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think you're taking advantage of your notoriety to do the right thing. So I can, well, thank you. yeah. And this is a great interview, by the way, you're awesome. This is a really good interview. So thank you. Very oh, much. wonderful. I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. Right. And I just want to, I want to, I want to reiterate everything Kevin said, and also thank you for not like, uh, choking me through the computer screen, which I am sure you could do if you wanted to. So thank you for not doing that. Um, yeah, and links to everything that she uh, was talking about will be found below. Go follow her, and she's making some big stuff happen. So we, we're happy to help Signal Boost in any way we can. Whew, this has been uh, a, an all-time great episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Thank you so much again to for spending some time with us today. Uh, everybody out there, you know, quarantine still sucks, still here, still dealing with COVID. Everybody stay safe as we re-enter our jiu-jitsu community and be able to start training again. Always mind your P's and Q's, wash your hands and then wash them again because we cannot get every, all of it, everybody sick again. You know, let's, let's try and kill this thing. I have been your host, Kevin Bradley joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Stay safe, stay healthy and protect yourselves. It's crazy out there. Good night. <laughs>